2: This is the roto Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin.
1: Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Friday, October 5th episode of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast sponsored by Fantasy Draft. Derek Van Riper and I are going to catch you up in the last minute news, notes, injury reports, etc. to get you ready for the weekend. Just for context, we are starting to record this a little before 3 o'clock Eastern Time on Friday afternoon. Uh, first of all, I need to call out the homerism of the RotoWire homepage right now.
2: I big, need to look at
1: it. I big it Packer a photo.
2: Big, big Packer photo. Oh, I'm seeing a Corey Davis
1: photo. You are? Maybe it's the football homepage. Maybe oh yeah, the football
2: it. homepage. Yeah, is that Aaron Jones? Yeah, that's Aaron Jones. Is probably, Aaron? probably doesn't, probably not going down in that picture either. Probably going to find a way to stay up and get five more yards on that play.
1: I, I, I picture ten guys in your office huddled around a monitor. Watching that picture uploaded
2: saying, screw you, McCarthy. Play him more. Give him the ball. I, I wish our office were more like that. Um, I, I think there are a lot of people that feel that way, though. I know even even Mario Puig, who's not a Packer fan. He grew up closer to Green Bay than almost everybody who works here. And he does not root for the Packers. Like, what? He, I think, is probably as perplexed and annoyed by Mike McCarthy's use of aaron jones as anybody in the office because from a basic logic standpoint it, it, it kind of just breaks down mario's analytical ability it, it goes beyond because there's no analytical reasoning behind the usage right now wait wait a minute he grew up near green bay yeah like north north central wisconsin how old is he he's probably close to 30
1: so he grew up with the brett Favre packers
2: he grew up. He grew up with a Packers team that was good every year. Uh, it went to two Super Bowls and won one. Who does he root for? He used to root for Dallas, and I think he realized oh. that that Jason Garrett is just uh, is just a dead end, like even worse than McCarthy. So I, I think he kind of just said, "I'm not a fan of teams anymore. I'm going to root for myself. I'm going to root for my DFS and season long lineups, and I, I don't have a team anymore." I think that's kind of where he went.
1: Wow. All right. I don't don't understand that at all, but okay.
2: Here's the other one. So, Nick Whalen, he used to host this pod with me a while back. He's the NBA editor now. He's a Jags fan. He he actually, I think, maybe grew up closer to Green Bay even than than Mario did, probably within like 20 miles of Green Bay. He's a little younger, probably like 27. Yeah. But still, I I just, I I don't know how. He goes counterculture and and lands on the Jags, which for most of his life was laughable until, you know, like last season.
1: I mean, I've heard of. I I remember when I was a kid, kids did that because the Giants and the Jets stunk. So they root for, rooted for the Steelers and the Cowboys and maybe the Raiders. But when the Packers were – these kids, these guys were grown up and the Packers were good.
2: Yeah. I, yeah I it, it seems it. like it would be pretty easy to buy into a team that's good. But I think it was everybody in my school likes this team. I want to do something different. I think that's okay. kind of where those two guys were coming from.
1: All right. I guess. Uh, I, I'm not going to try to understand after this. That's fine. All right, folks. Let's talk Colts-Pats. No more Packers, at least for the 10 minutes or so, because we're going to talk about them more on this. So they might they might be the most talked-about team on this podcast after that opening you just heard. Colts-Pats last night, 38-24 Pats. Um, the skinny running back uh, tree. Not really a tree. The receivers are more of a tree. But the, the, the running back duo New England last night would suggest that – there can be two productive running backs in new England, but do you look at James white and moving forward and go two carries?
2: Hmm. I don't know about this. I think the problem that I've always had with James white is that the Patriots just don't really seem to like him as a runner at all. I know he had the eight carries against Miami. That was in a situation where that game was way out of hand. Mm -hmm. So, In a closer game, it just seems like that's not really their M.O. Now, I guess it's hard to get more than two carries when you get 14 targets in the passing game. So maybe there's just a little bit of a, if one thing goes up, the other thing naturally has to go down because you're not the focal point of the whole offense. But is James White as a player, at least as a fantasy commodity, is he a lot like Chris Thompson? He's never going to get a lot of carries unless things in front of him break down a lot. And he's heavily involved in the passing game. Good enough to be used almost every week in PPR leagues. But then when you get to like a non-PPR setting, you're kind of worried every week that he could drop to like seven targets and catch four or yeah. five balls for 50 yards and not score. Like that's, that's the type of player that I think White is because of the way they use him. I think White's probably a better runner than the Patriots give him credit for. I agree. But, but Sonny Michel looked great last night. So you, you spend a first round pick on Sonny Michel – you probably have designs on making him a big part of your offense. And, and we're seeing that stuff to play out a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, all, all I want from white to, if, if I own him, which I don't think I do anywhere and that's, that's dumb. And I'll mention why in a second. I, all I want is six carries. I don't want a lot. I just want six. Cause if I get six carries, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get five or six catches. And then I, I, then the volume makes me happy. Then I look and I say, I can live with this. Two carries, because, like you said, I, I might get five or six catches, and then'm I'm, then then I'm too low, then it's too risky. so but I think it was dumb not to own him in retrospect, hindsight 2020, blah, blah blah. We knew Sony Michelle was the first round pick, and that they were going to you know he, he, he was going to be a big part of their offense. however, J- James White was the cheapest one. And he had a track record with them, and I know the track record didn't inc- never included huge workloads. But being the cheapest one on that team, it, it just—I looking back, like that—that—that that, that was the, the, the cheapest back on the Patriots. Just it makes sense,
2: especially in best ball. I mean that, that yeah. that's the that's the kind of cop out sort of maneuver with a player who has a lot of variance week to week in his workload. As you say, oh, he's a, he's a good best ball player. Yeah, he's pretty good in best ball. I mean, he's going to probably pop in your lineup four to six times over the course of the season because of the way things break down. The thing that makes everything so complicated with the Patriots right now is they're back to full strength. I mean, they get Edelman off the suspension. They target him nine times. He catches seven passes, for 57 yards, kind of a a very basic Julian Edelman line. But that was the second highest target total behind James White. You know Gronk's going to get his probably in the seven to 10 target range each and every week. So Maybe he's effectively their number one receiver. But Edelman it would be kind of 1B in that scenario. He proved last night he's, he's fine post-ACL tear. Looked look fine to me anyway. It gets so messy because Josh Gordon is more talented than Julian Edelman. His role could scale up. That could hurt Edelman. Chris Hogan is good enough to do some damage, but now in a position where he's fourth or fifth in the pecking order for targets. And even Philip Dorsett was doing some things in these first four games prior to last night where he looked kind of fringe useful in 12-team leagues where you start three receivers. I cut Dorsett in a 12-team league going into this week with Edelman and then Gordon's role increasing a little bit or at least looking like it was going to increase a little bit. And I think that was the right call. But I think Hogan's kind of in this weird middle ground right now too where he almost needs one of those guys, Gronk, Edelman, or Gordon, to get hurt if he's going to become startable again, and if he's not startable, you kind of wonder, is he actually rosterable in in a 12-team league with three starting receivers? Yeah. I mean, eventually, yes, but after last night, I don't know. And I think he's like a GPP. When the price gets down low enough, Mm -hmm. he'll be one of those third receiver flex options in GPPs where, while he's getting less attention, he's getting more favorable coverage matchups. The Patriots are going to exploit that, but you're still kind of swinging for the fences with that. You're not getting eight plus targets week to week and you're not looking at them as anything close to a cash game option. So yeah, this is interesting because they just seem like they, with their full complement of players are a lot like the offense. People thought they'd be coming into the season and that little window where we were kind of worried about the Patriots offense seems to have closed up very quickly with these last yes. two weeks.
1: All right. And by the way, snap count for the wide receivers last night, Hogan 63 Edelman, 48 Dorsett, 42 Gordon, 18.
2: So still, still low, still low on Gordon too. And yeah, I think it's anybody's guess as to whether or not he's up to 30, 35 next week or if it's a very gradual sort of progression. It just makes things worse for everybody having him there, even though he makes their team better. Right.
1: All right, other side of that one. Um, Hines got it done if you used him, right? That's, I mean, he, well, he didn't get a touchdown. Yards, volume-wise, he was terrific. PPR-wise, he did fine for you.
2: Yeah, that's a 16 point game in PPR, yeah. which is, it seems kind of weird. I mean, 90 yards from scrimmage, no touchdowns, 16 points. Right.
1: It, are... It's
2: a case against PPR. It is. That's true.
1: The receivers I'm still staying away from, even if Hilton, especially when Hilton gets healthy, because the receivers got a bunch of targets. Luck. I mean, and the, rece- the thing with the receivers, luck through, they were losing again. Luck through 59 times. Wasn't last week 62?
2: Yeah, crazy, crazy volume. Um, and, and this is weird because like Eric Ebron looks great, but Jack Doyle's been out for the last two weeks. Is right. he going to look this good with less volume? That's kind of a question. I think they can sustain two tight ends because the receiving core is so weak. I still don't really believe in in Ryan Grant and Chester Rogers, so I think you and I are probably on the same page there. And I think Luck's physical limitations do support a heavier dose of, of short and intermediate passes. So two tight end sets will probably be Something they use pretty frequently once Doyle gets back, but this is a mess of a team still. Like the, the the biggest positive, you know, aside from Luck being healthy enough to play in the first five games, but the biggest positive for the Colts is that Andrew Luck's not taking a beating the way he did previously. Right. The, the offensive line seems to be better, and probably because he's not taking as many shots downfield, he's getting rid of the ball quicker. I have not seen stats on it, but I just I, I would assume. Based on the way that passing game is structured right now, Andrew Luck's time to get rid of the ball has been better than in past years. So that's probably helping, too, as far as limiting some of the hits that he's taken in the past.
1: Yep. Um, so, yeah, I finally gave up on Ebron before last night because last, oh, week, no. last week was the, well, Doyle was out and he got 10 targets, but he only caught five of them. And he dropped some passes and he stunk. And I probably didn't account enough for the Hilton absence too. Said, you know, I mean, re- this is really a last man standing situation. And yeah, he, he produced finally. So um, anyway, like I said, I, I, tr- I, I always say that trust is a funny word in fantasy football. Eric Ebron is still comparatively low on the trust scale I mean, among everyone. I don't trust anybody and I trust Eric Ebron less than almost everyone. You don't trust anybody? I don't trust that. Who do I trust? I trust Antonio Brown. <laughs>
2: League-wide?
1: League yeah, I mean, really. Who? Uh, I mean, I, I, I probably trust less than 10 guys.
2: Todd Todd Gurley?
1: Yeah, I trust Todd. Okay, I trust Todd Gurley. But it's very few.
2: You should play in like a, a five-person league where everybody gets just two players and right. everybody could feel good.
1: It's trust. Trust is, a, trust is such a bad word. You know? I don't trust people. Remember when people – I mean, how many times has the word and, – and, you know, I mean, I know we're talking about probability and things, but trust? No. I'm, I, I'm a very – is it distrustful or mistrustful person when it comes to fantasy athletes? Uh-uh. I,
2: think it's, I think it's distrustful.
1: that's football players too. I mean, remember, when did, who did people trust over the years? Oh, Sean Alexander. I trust him. He scored 20 touchdowns last year, and then he stunk. Happens all the time.
2: Well, I mean, league-wide, I could probably go – a to W through the teams and give you a 10 second reaction to every team and you probably would find a, a pretty short list I mean yeah, they I do. trust nothing in Arizona I think Atlanta's defense is so bad that the offense is good every week I'm waiting for the wheels to fall off in Baltimore Buffalo's terrible Carolina uses a long tail group of receivers I don't like any of them except for Christian McCaffrey and Cam the Bears have a bunch of talent and a smart coach but they have a quarterback that's still figuring it out so not a lot of trust there Bengals, they're they're always going to punch you in the stomach when you least expect it Browns, Hugh Jackson still there, so nope. <laughs> the Cowboys, yep, Jason Garrett. Don't trust anyone there. It's Zeke or bust, and on that team, Denver. Eh, Case Keenum looks pretty, pretty mediocre, so it's Emmanuel Sanders and and nothing else. They split carries between two running backs. Lions, too many receivers. Golden Tate, safe. Kenny Galladay, fun. Marvin Jones there, only to be a thorn on our side. Packers, I trust nothing because of McCarthy. Houston, DeAndre Hopkins, solid. Will Fuller, don't trust his hamstring, so he misses the cut. Indy, nothing. There's nothing to trust about them. They're terrible. Jacksonville, I trust their defense. Kansas City, I trust most everything, as far as the key guys go. They're, they're like the Rams. like The Chiefs and Rams are the two teams you look at and say, I trust pretty much all of their reliable guys. Hmm. The Goffs getting there for some people. Oh, I don't. Think the trust. Big, you don't yeah. trust Jared Goff yet?
1: Uh, Not completely. I mean great situation i get it but trusts i don't know probably okay. i mean fine he's gonna do well but other weeks he's there's gonna be weeks where he throws the ball 27
2: times all right but you you trust the chiefs tecmo roster you trust mahomes kareem hunt tyreek hill and travis kelsey at least right yeah i don't i don't totally trust tyreek hill you really do have I'm, some trust issues. I do have
1: trust issues. I mean, like I, I can see the bad. I'm, I, I'm looking at wide receiver twenty, Antonio Brown, right now.
2: Uh huh. So that's, that's a little weird, though. That's that's not. I gonna, know, but he's got three touchdowns, so way. we
1: can't say that. We can't yeah, do the, the touchdown Benham, regression
2: thing. Not, not the Beckham defense. No. I mean, the Chargers. You probably trust Rivers and Allen and Gordon. They're they're pretty stable right now. Dolphins trust nothing. Minnesota, Thielen, Diggs. Yep, Dalvin Cook when he's healthy, but not right now. Keenan
1: Allen is wide receiver 35 in standard formats. Uh
2: It's not. Nah, I mean, maybe he's like a 15 to 20 guy in non-PPR, but it's still going to be PPR gold over the course of the year. But yeah, Miami, trust nothing. Minnesota, pretty trustworthy in the passing game, especially. Running game, probably fine once Cook gets healthy. Patriots, they're the Patriots. I mean, the usual things apply. I, I think Sonny Michel has has entered my circle of trust. He's probably not going to be in yours until like 2022. Totally. But he, he's, he's in mine. I, I like the usage, like the skills, like the team. All that's good. Brady, yeah, Gronk, of course. Edelman, probably back in. Looked healthy last night. Saints, okay. Kamara, Thomas, Breeze. Ingram, you, you're going to trust Ingram again? No. Trust <laughs> for
1: what? I, he, I, the, the likelihood of underachievement is too great. And plus, I think part of it in football is the, you know the injuries play such a big factor.
2: Yeah, no, that's a big part of it. Ingram, one thing I, I, I overlooked, I think I may have said this with you yesterday, that Ingram, I had this little shred of doubt that they wouldn't just use him the way they were using him before because of what they did with Willie Sneed. The, the interesting thing that Mario pointed out to me, said, yeah, but Elvin Kamara kind of jumped into the offense and did what Sneed could do and then a lot more. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just made Snead irrelevant because they had somebody else that was like a more dynamic version of what Snead was doing in that offense. And that, that's true. They didn't necessarily have that with Ingram. They haven't replaced him with somebody else who's clearly better. So right. probably does get his job back. But yeah, it's a wait and see. Giants, sure. Barkley, Beckham, that's about it. That's all you're going to trust there. Jets, trust nothing. Raiders, no. No. Uh, none. I know they're top 10 right now in yards per play, and that's a big surprise. They're probably more of a league average or even a tick below league average offense for me when it's all said and done this year. If they're better than that, it's volume-based, not efficiency-based. Eagles, Wentz, Ertz, running game, not so much. Steelers, Brown, Juju, Le'Veon Bell, when he comes back, trust him. Ben, kind of so-so. You trust Le'Veon
1: Bell coming back after after all this time off? Yep. Okay
2: i I do um i'm dumb but i do seattle nothing because of brian schottenheimer san francisco Kittle only tampa bay nope mike evans would be the only thing i trust there uh godwin and jackson just take away value from each other the running game's terrible the tennessee situation no way maybe deon lewis maybe Corey davis but they're kind of having to earn it right now in washington no i don't know what that team is at all i'd so you're right. There's probably 25 players in the entire league that you can actually trust. Oh, that's way. And it, it, that's for me. And you're probably at like six.
1: I'm like like six is right.
2: Your, your, your number went down as I went through that
1: exercise. Pretty much. You know who I? You know who I trust? Cam Newton. That's who I trust. Because Cam mm. has because Cam Newton doesn't have to depend on anyone else. He just takes the ball and runs.
2: So uh, on that theory, does does Watson earn your trust?
1: He's starting to. Yes. Because it doesn't, he keeps enough of it in his own hands. So, all right, we got We got to keep going. We got to move on. We're gonna go on. Remember last week when we said, "Oh, it's the it's the Friday show. It's gonna be we're gonna breeze through it." And it took an hour. Not yeah. that people don't want to hear us talk for an hour, but we got you. Got to watch a Brewer game, so.
2: Yeah, I got a little time, but yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, Derek's at Derek Van Riper on Twitter. I'm at Jay Halpin 37. You can also tweet us at RotoWire. Get player updates at RotoWire NFL, or you can find us on Facebook. Week five buys bears and bucks. They played each other last week. They're off this week, next week. James Winston for the Bucks injuries out uh, again. We are doing this approximately. I'm talking at 3:11 Eastern time on Friday. So keep checking your news in case things change. Leonard Fournette out. TJ Elgin gets to play against the Chiefs. Evan Ingram out for the Giants. Gio Bernard out for the Bengals. Randall Cobb out for the Packers. John Ross out for the Bengals also. So Gio being out, Joe Mixon has been cleared to play for the Bengals. So he's back, and, and, the, and he's the guy in the Bengals' backfield. So Joe Mixon, you, are, you own Joe Mixon. You are rolling, aren't you?
2: You're very excited because they really just can't do – can't do as much um, with Mark Walton as they would ordinarily do with Gio in the complementary role. So that should be very favorable for Mixon. And that game's got a pretty high over under total, too. So uh, I'm a lot higher on Mixon even just today than I would have been yesterday when there was still kind of this appearance that Bernard might play. But he's out for a few weeks.
1: Uh, Devante Freeman, not on the injury report, so he should be back for the Falcons in that game against the Steelers with the high over under, uh, guys who are to be determined. Dalvin Cook, uh, we've heard pitch count. We've heard game time decision. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Dalvin Cook at Philly and that's a late game, right? So we're going to have to watch out for that one. Um, Devante Adams, tell me, talk to me about your, your Packers there, Adams and Allison. Are we looking, Devante is looking a little shaky, right? He's not out yet, but we need to keep an eye on him.
2: He's supposed to practice Saturday, which I didn't even know they really had like a real practice yeah. Saturday. But that's that's what the Packers are doing. I will I will withhold full judgment until we get some kind of report based on what he's able to do. If he if he's full go at Saturday's practice, which maybe won't even get reported because it's not part of the injury report, then you're good to go. You're fine. But Marquez Velda, Scantling, Jamon Moore, and Equinemia St. Brown all ran with the first team offense on Thursday. Like all three of them. And they're all kind of like near or at min salary on the DFS site. So it creates this interesting tournament opportunity. If you want to take a shot, I don't think I would do it. I think the Lions are so bad against the run that this might be the week that Mike McCarthy wises up and says, hey, the last two times I gave Aaron Jones more than 15 carries. He went over hundred yards. We're mm-hmm. playing against a bad run defense. Maybe I should give Aaron Jones more than 15 carries so he can get over hundred yards this week. I
1: agree. I hope he does. Um, Corey Clement was not practicing for the Eagles. That doesn't sound good. Lamar Miller is shaky status for the Texans. You're going to need to watch him by the way, related note to that. It sounds like Dante Foreman, who has been on the pup list is tracking to come back for week seven. Mm. So that Forgotten might be player. I mean, he had an Achilles injury, because I, I think in in the early in the off season, Miller's stock was down, and it sounded like Foreman was trending well, and the switch was everybody in their head had made the switch already. And then Foreman's recovery slowed down, and a lot of us said, "Oh, you know, Miller's got a job, and he does. He's not doing a heck of a lot with it right now." But if this Foreman would be, it's easy to say stash. I get it. It depends on your roster construction. I get it. But Foreman seems like th- there's a path there if he's truly healthy. There- there's a path to some, some major second half of the year production.
2: It exists. He's been forgotten about. He might be freely available right now. And scooping him up maybe going into week six is not a bad idea. But if you can afford to do it now, if you've got kind of a, a dead roster spot, would you in like a 12-team league, would you drop Gio Bernard right now with Mixon being healthy, Bernard being out two to four weeks, and stash away Deonta Foreman expecting Foreman to overtake Lamar Miller at yes, some point. Yes. I would. And and yeah, Geo was an like easy cut for me in a lot of leagues. I mean, if I had like a 10-man bench like in the NFFC, maybe I wouldn't cut him there cuz you're getting full PPR and you know, you can wait a little more on a player like that, but in in pretty basic leagues that a lot of people play in, I, I think you got to cut Geo even though he was good when Mixon was out.
1: Right. I mean, you you've got guys in leagues. I'm going to go through the Yahoo ownership percentages real quick. Just look at running backs. Okay, so I'm looking at – you might be close to there with Peyton Barber. We're not going to know anymore after this week, though. I mean, Jamal Williams, done, right? Launch him.
2: You um, should be able to get rid of him. You, In, in theory, um, I, I understand if you're still thinking McCarthy's going to be – Dumb and keep and rolling him out there. But um, no, he, he should be a, at least a consideration as a cut.
3: Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa signature card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining, and get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card, get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cashback, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC.
1: If you, are, if you own Austin Eckler and, and, you, and, and you can't foresee starting him in, in the near future, you have, you know, he's your, he could be your fourth back, right? Could be. You'd cut him for Deontay Foreman
2: yeah i think so I, I mean it's eckler's probably part of that group we talked about backup running backs that you'd, you'd like to hold on to right because they can they can do a lot if they get that chance Malcolm brown's in that group spencer wares in that group for me you can only stash so many guys like that like a right. roster can have maybe two of those guys at most and then you're just sitting on backups that you can't play when the bye weeks hit but for one more week with only two teams on bye again this week, I might have a slightly heavier, useless group of players on my bench. Like presently useless, future value you know, skyrockets if, if things break right. Because if this is the week where Todd Gurley gets hurt, <laughs> and you could pick him up for free with your Gio Bernard cut, you could pick up Malcolm Brown. That is like you would do that, right? Like you, it's it's a it's a Absolutely. free it's a free space. And going into Week Six, Malcolm Brown's your cut if Todd Gurley's healthy. Like you just you have to think about your roster that way, just turning over those bottom spots, kind of thinking about, okay, of these available players, who's going to be the most expensive if something goes their way? Who's the guy I want the most if the starter gets hurt, or if somebody loses their job because they're ineffective, you know, whatever it might be, that's how I that's how I manage my bench in the season. And I, I know you can't do it quite the same way when we're dealing with four and 16 bye weeks, but right now we're not. So, This is one of those last chances to be a little more aggressive with having three, maybe even four backup running backs in great situations on the off chance that the starter in front of them suffers an injury this week. All right.
1: Um, Let's talk streaming defenses. Go down the list here. Under 40%. How about the Cleveland Browns with 12 sacks at home against the Ravens? How about, sorry, Cleveland Browns with 12 sacks, 7 picks, and 6 fumble recoveries.
4: Uh, The
2: Ravens haven't allowed a ton of sacks. They've only thrown 2 picks so far this season. It's doable, but I think you've got to be like in a 14-team league if you're going to stream in the Browns. Okay.
1: Bengals against the Dolphins. 10 sacks for the Bengals. 30% ownership. Mm, I don't
2: love that one. Similar, uh, over-under in that game is even a little higher, I think. Similar yep. range, like 14-team four, leagues. Kind of a coin flip, really, with with Cleveland. I, I think I like Cleveland's personnel better. So edge to Cleveland if you're choosing between the Browns and Bengals as streaming defenses this week. Okay,
1: I have to chant the next one. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets! <laughs> 21% this- ownership. 10 sacks against Case Keenum.
2: This is tremendous content, and I hope other members of your family were home for that.
1: They are. My, my son hears it. He's used to nonsense like this.
2: Okay, he's, he's not phased. Not a bit.
1: He's going to be like, oh, you're chin jets. Cool.
2: That's great. I think the Jets maybe creep in a little higher for me. I think this is actually a pretty good defense. Yardage-wise, they're, they're pretty tight. Keenum, I think, can be susceptible to making some mistakes. He's thrown... I believe uh, six picks already this season. The Jets have six of their own. Implied total's a bit lower. I would put the Jets ahead of the Browns and the Bengals for this week out of this group. Nice. Um, we always have to pick
1: on rookie quarterbacks. So Niners home against Josh Rosen.
2: Niners home against Rosen. Hmm. San Francisco's defense hasn't really been good at getting pressure. Arizona, because they, they play out of such a shell, they don't really allow a lot of sacks. The logic's there. Um, I'd put it probably behind the Browns. I think I'd put it behind the Bengals. Uh, so not not one I would necessarily say is a bad idea, but the worst idea of the, the ones you've suggested. So So you would play
1: two defenses. I know the defenses are different. Teams against Joe Flacco... Or Ryan Tannehill instead of playing the one
2: at home against Josh Rosen. Yes. And the, the, again, it's kind of me trying to get inside the mind of, of of the Arizona Cardinals coaching staff where short, quick throws, a lot of David Johnson, like that's probably their game plan. And that doesn't lend itself to uh, a sack of Palooza yep. the same way that, you know, like Buffalo playing from behind, Allen getting chances to throw, being behind a bad line, like. That, that's the clear-cut, like obvious DFS play that everybody, everybody picked up the Titans Tuesday night or Wednesday as the streaming defense for this week because the Bills have been just amazingly bad at, at preventing sacks. Yes. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think the way the Arizona offense functions sets up nearly as favorably. I okay. think they're just so conservative and so dumb <laughs> that they just don't open up that many opportunities.
1: You know it's the team with 13 sacks and it's 8% owned? The Detroit Lions
2: yeah you know who gives up a lot of sacks the mm-hmm. Packers mm-hmm you know you know who has got a, a broken group of receivers that even when their group of receivers is healthy they're they're running such old outdated stupid routes that they can't get open the Packers yep so
1: who's your, so your favorite is still the Jets
2: Still probably the Jets. The Lions, I think I would play ahead of the Bengals, maybe behind the Browns. That's probably about where I'm at with the Lions. So one Jets, two Browns, three Lions. Okay, cool. Yeah, all all reasonably playable.
1: All right, folks, Fantasy Draft. They put players first. They have a $100,000 run-and-gun weekly feature GPP with a $25 buy-in. You've got another option this weekend, a $500,000 fantasy draft championship with weekly qualifiers happening right now. And that gets you to a week 16 final. There's super flexible lineup construction. It makes it easier to sweat the players you really love to watch, not having to, you know, pay $3,000 somewhere for Equinemius St. Brown or something like that. It's easier to win. Fantasy draft pays out at least 25% of the field in every single contest and it's a, you can get a free $4 GPP ticket with the initial deposit on Fantasy Draft. Just sign up with referrer code ROTOWIRE. So go to Fantasy Draft, sign up with code ROTOWIRE. You get a free $4 GPP ticket. Check it out. Fantasy Draft. Okay. We're going to do our weekly look at plug and place at different positions before we get to the DFS. Uh, ones I picked out on Yahoo. Yahoo ownership percentages. Mariota 39% owned at Buffalo. You've got Flacco, 30% owned at Cleveland. Flacco's been playing well. Our man C.J. Bethard, 3% owned at home against the Cardinals. And C.J. was pretty solid last week. Do you like any of those? Do you like anybody else?
2: I do like Mariota the best, which kind of follows that ownership rate. I don't think there's a huge difference between Flacco and Bethard this week. And it's not because I don't really think the Ravens are good. It's more because I think Bethard's going to be competent, and Arizona is horrendous. So, uh, that one to me is a little bit of a tough call. Like if you were scrambling, uh, looking for a quarterback in like a 14-team league, and Bethard's out there, and Flacco's the guy you've been relying on, maybe because you've had something going wrong at the position, I would be pretty tempted to roll Bethard out there. Okay,
1: the RotoWire projections have all these guys 20th or lower at quarterback. Mariota 20th, Flacco 21st, Bethard 24th.
2: I think the projections are a little light on Mariota. If he's healthy, I think he's kind of a league average sort of fantasy player.
1: Yep. And I think I talked to it might have been Tim this week. I like that he the last two weeks he's been running a little bit. That's always been my complaint with him since he's been a pro. I thought he would run more in, in the last two weeks were I mean, I don't know if it's if it means a lot, but it might. Running backs. Um we're going to cheat on the 40%. Nick Chubb's at 41. How much work do you think Nick Chubb gets?
2: I would set the over-under on touches at 10.5. What side of that would Ooh, you be on?
1: I would be under, but I like
2: where you, your head is on that. And that's still like, uh, you, want him, you want him to get more. You, you can talk yourself into flexing him if you need to. I think you'd really prefer to wait one more week in season-long leagues before before taking that leap.
1: Yep. Um, I have Mike Davis here at 20%, but I can't see a chance in hell that I would use Mike
2: Davis. No, they have to be very desperate. I, I, don't, I don't even know if, if we've seen really an update on Chris Carson. He was practicing a little bit earlier in the week. I guess Friday morning, Pete Carroll said Chris Carson is on track to play. So you got Carson, you got Davis, you got Penny. It's a total cluster. Bad total offense, cluster. bad matchup. So the next guy I think is interesting. Ty Montgomery
1: is 18% old. So if the Packers, let's say they come out of tomorrow. Let, let's just let's say Devonte Adams plays because if he doesn't, then it's a com- it's a complete mess. Even, but if he plays, let's assume that Cobb and Allison don't, which is where we're trending. Cobb's already out. Allison, you know, concussion has. He, I don't know if he's been declared officially out yet, but he's probably going to be right.
2: I saw last; he still hopes he can play, but he was not cleared um, through the protocol yet.
1: Do do they do the Packers? Do do you see a scenario where the Packers fill their receiving holes with Ty
2: Montgomery? I don't think they would run him out there for a full game's worth of snaps, but I think there could be some formations where they would put him in motion, send him out wide, and and have him match up occasionally against maybe a linebacker or something and really have a a nice mismatch in coverage. So his usage this week could tick up a little bit. Because they don't run him that much— That really still makes it kind of a a leap of faith. But if I'm looking at him versus Mike Davis as a lottery ticket, I'd much rather take that chance on Ty Montgomery. There's a few more paths for him to be useful this week than there are for Davis. Okay.
1: Um, The other one that I was looking at is Corey Grant on the Jags. Just because of, you know, with Fournette out, I mean, Yeldon's pretty solid. But Corey Grant, what did he do last week? Hang on. I'm going to take a look at how many snaps he Seven.
2: Seven snaps.
1: Seven snaps, that's it?
2: On offense, yep, yeah, seven. Yeah, that's a bummer. Okay. Um, and for, Well, for, how long did Fournette play? It was relatively early, right? Yeah, he left pretty early. Yeah. I mean, there there's definitely an argument to be made against TJ Yeldon as an efficient back. I just think they trust him a lot. They like him as a passing down option. And I just think it's really hard unless Yeldon's ankle injury and— Unless something else comes up, I don't know if Corey Grant gets enough touches to right. to be viable in most leagues. He's he's kind of on the the fringe, though. We talked earlier about some of the guys that you might stash away going into this week, kind of just see what happens. I mean, Leonard Fournette's probably down for a few weeks, right. and if Yeldon were to, to get hurt, then Corey Grant's in a really nice spot. So he he's potentially worth stashing in some of those situations where you have a, a cut readily available here at the end of the week.
1: Uh, why receiver. Anybody? Any other running backs you, you got in mind?
2: I don't think so. No. All right.
1: Um, wide receiver. Uh, my list here: Antonio Callaway, twenty nine percent. Uh, Taiwan Taylor, ten percent. You said you liked Mariota. That might play into a. Again, we're in the break glass in case of emergency category of the show. So, Taiwan Taylor might be an option there.
2: Would you rather play Taiwan Taylor against the Bills, or would you rather play? Mohammed Sanu against the Steelers.
1: It's close, right? No, no, because I think the type of game that each will be lends me to
2: go towards Sanu. It's a good question. I, I don't think there's that much of a difference. I mean, I think Ridley can make things a little more difficult for Sanu, whereas Taylor could be the number two maybe behind Corey Davis. Yeah but you're in a- scaling down production is a big deal though this is this could be the the ultimate restrictor plate game where where nobody no one really does a lot offensively the titans could just win this like 20 to 3 or 20 to 6 or 20 to 10 right and you'd say oh, okay they did it in kind of an ugly way maybe it's actually a good derrick henry week i, I i'm not high on the depth Tennessee options this week because of the game script. I think people might overestimate volume on them because of how things played out in a totally different scenario against the Eagles last week. Right. I mean, the over under in this
1: game is 30 in Texans Titans bills, 39 and a half. So wow. that gets you to, tw- that gets you to 22 and a half for the Titans.
2: Yeah. Not, I'm uh, not real excited about that. No.
1: Um, Christian Kirk, any interest after last week?
2: You, I still think that that makes a little sense. Somebody else has to catch passes beyond Fitz uh, and beyond David Johnson. Yeah. I, it's, it's 14 team leagues and, and deeper probably right now, or NFFC-style big bench leagues where he was already picked up. But uh, I, I wouldn't give up faith just yet with Christian Kirk. There's a, a lot there, and I think Rosen, getting that starting job ultimately gives him a shot to be useful at some point, and it might not take that long. I think you're right about that
1: one. Um, one name I've seen a little bit this week, considering the Saints some of the Saints defensive backfield struggles, Paul Richardson? That's he's more he's such a, a boom bust type. But that means that mean, seven I mean, percent owned. Again, do you I mean, maybe?
2: Yeah, uh, if you were in a position where you were gonna play Geronimo Allison and you find out he's not gonna play, like maybe Paul Richardson's a slightly better pickup than the rookie receivers in Green Bay this week. Right.
1: Um the other one is uh what about Martavis Bryan after last week?
2: He was involved, right? Yeah, he's so hard to trust. I just, I don't know. Oh, man. yeah. I, I agree with that. Up hey. to seven targets, though. Like, how weird is his path this season? Mm-hmm. They overpay for him to get him in a trade. They cut him because they're disappointed. They sign him back. And each week he's received more targets. He's played more snaps than the week before. Like, what, what yeah. is happening here?
1: And the Chargers, you know, they've been a little generous to opposing receivers. You would think Casey Hayward's going to be focused elsewhere on Mark Cooper. Hmm. Possible.
2: Yeah, it, it it definitely makes sense that one of Bryant or Jordy Nelson will be productive this week. And I think Cooper can be productive even with Hayward on him.
1: I'm, I'm writing down Martavis as a GPP. Okay. Just writing that down. I guess do it. you can say yeah. about a lot of people, but... Scribble it down. We can see a path here. He dropped one last week, right? Didn't he drop a touchdown? I Martes. do not remember. I think he did. Um, that, that definitely sounds like something he could have done. Yes, totally sounds like him. Uh, tight ends. I mean, th- the whole position is a break last case of emergency after the first four guys. So, or you know, five guys. So it's just a disaster. But uh, I'm, I'm still... I wouldn't say I'm holding out hope, but if I had to the snap count stuff still argues for Ricky Seals-Jones, even though he's lost some last week, I think, to Jermaine Gresham, right?
2: Yeah, he's still kind of like that pass-catching specialist, the position offense maybe has some dead cat bounce, but I think the move I'd be making, if I were in a, a really bad place at tight end, Nick Vinette might be mm-hmm. the kind of guy that ends up being sort of useful. Like some somebody... Somebody else can be useful in Seattle behind Baldwin and behind Lockett. They were using Will Disley in ways that I really didn't expect. So I think we're going to see Nick Vanette get out there a lot. And, and being out there, having to block a little bit, and then maybe getting out into space after throwing a block, he might end up being a, a pretty steady checkdown option for Russell Wilson. Nick Vanette. Wow. Do I, have, I have Nick Vanette somewhere. This is what
1: it's come to. I think I caught him in fishbowl. And now he's useful potentially. So, all right. Um, Ian Thomas on the Panthers. I have, I have a sneaky feeling. You like that guy a lot. I do. Cam cam threw him in the end zone two weeks ago and went right back to him five times last week. It's possible. It can happen.
2: I like him better than Swain and and Jeff Herman. Yeah, me too.
1: Yeah. Ian Thomas said he, he, he showed well in the preseason. I like him. I think he's going to be a good player. Um, All right, that's enough. yeah. That's this is tight. Talking about tight ends like that depresses me. I mean, talking about the top five tight ends depresses me, or guys right after it. So the rest of them, this is just brutal. So DFS value report. Let's go to you know. Let's go to fantasy draft first. Fantasy draft sponsoring today's show. Um, Fantasy draft, the quarterbacks at the high end of the road on the road wire. DFS value report Derek Carr I'm seeing Derek Carr's name a lot here he is far and away the best value at a salary of 10,200 on fantasy draft at a, in a game with an over under of 52 and a half um I mean so his team's team's projected points 23 and a half at the chargers but Derek this thing is like
2: in Derek Carr I like him in cash games this week, and I I think you were surprised when I said it yesterday, but I'm I'm sticking to it because the price is so low. You can pair him up with Cooper. You get a lot of freedom to pay up at the other positions when you do that. In cash games especially, I think it makes a lot of sense. Tournaments, sure. Maybe you want to say there's a cap on just how much they can go off even in that matchup. Even that, I feel like, is a little bit of a stretch. I think this game could be one of the biggest shootouts on the board, and the over-under reflects that. All right.
1: Uh, the running backs, pretty standard stuff. McCaffrey, Kamara, Yeldon. Uh, well, James White was fourth, and that, they got him okay. And Kareem Hunt. So pretty chalky there, it looks like. Uh, wide receiver, who's at the top of the list? Here he is. Oh, he's I not hope at it's Mari Cooper. Well, the two, actually, the two top ones, are the guys from last night, was Chester Rogers and Zach Pascal.
2: Hmm.
1: Marquez Valdez-Scantling.
2: There you go. Yeah, I don't think so.
1: No? You're not buying? No. But the but the, the value report says you have to.
2: Well, yeah, but the value report would say that the gumball machine in the lobby at Denny's is good value because <laughs> you're getting a lot for a quarter. <laughs> like you still want something good. Like if you have $5 in your pocket, you're not going to take, I don't know, 20 spins on the the 25 cent gumball machine at Denny's. All right. My kids always
1: play the claw, by the way.
2: The claw is awesome. I'm sad that the claw machines are kind of in decline. You don't really see that anymore. They don't go. They you don't win. It's that's a scam. stupid too. That, first off, those machines should not be a scam. And secondly, gastro pubs are great except for the fact they don't have a claw machine in them ever. Right.
1: Yeah. But then once once you get one win, any kid gets one win. They go, now I got the secret of the claw machine. So let me pour two hundred more dollars in over the next six months.
2: Yeah. Right. We need Claw Machine 2.0, like a, a winnable Claw Machine game that is worth playing.
1: Hey, Sid from Toy Story won when he got Buzz Lightyear. So.
2: That, that's the best Claw Machine
1: win of all time. <laughs> all right. Um, fantasy Draft, top value, tight end. Well, number two is Eric Ebron. That's a pretty good call. Uh, number one is Jordan Reed.
2: You like that? Yeah. I mean, Jordan Reed went healthy. You just got to make sure you're playing a slate that includes the Monday night game. But I... I love that setup for him. He's kind of a focal point in their passing game. You kind of assume that Marshawn Lattimore maybe gets a little bit of Jamison Crowder, so that would kind of pump up Reed a little bit in that matchup. All right,
1: let's go to FanDuel. Um, Quarterback Deshaun Watson, there's Derek Carr again, and Andrew Luck's third, which was, that's a good call. Uh, Running backs, yeah, the FanDuel, the value, but the value report is boring for FanDuel. Uh, Kamara, Gurley, McCaffrey, boring i mean we know about james
2: connor though james connor being fifth like i think he's the least interesting player of the big names in that game so yeah. that maybe makes him lower owned than brown and julio and juju so i don't know i, I kind of like the james connor like i, I like him too. i like that he's getting pointed out there
1: yeah i, I like james Con- i like this matchup for james connor too uh wide receivers yeah julio antonio there's chester rogers again Last night I think Corey Davis. So
2: Chester Rogers is everywhere. Corey Davis, I understand why he's the clear cut number one. They don't have to put a ton of the points on the board for him to be useful. Um, you know, I I get it. I uh, I don't think I'd go. I don't think I'd go down to Taylor even in tournaments unless you believe that Buffalo's offense will find ways to score some points and and force the Tennessee Titans to throw more than thirty passes in this game.
1: All right, so three guys in the very within $200 of each other. Ready? Corey Davis, Tyler Boyd, Amari Cooper.
2: Very same price range. What do you want? Cooper, I think, is my, think my so general too. approach. Um, chargers are, are bad. No, no Joey Bosa. Changes the pass rush. It, uh, Jason Verrett getting hurt in the, is it the preseason Was or before the preseason. It wasn't in a preseason game. Camp, it was the first day of camp he yeah, got hurt. I think you're right. You know That that just took a lot away from that pass defense. As good as Casey Hayward is, I, I think you can you kind of see things working out just fine for that Oakland passing game this week. So Cooper Cooper comes away first. I think I like Tyler Boyd a tick more than Corey Davis this week because of the over-under total in that game. It's 48-and-a-half. The, the, the Bills-Titans game is 39-and-a-half. And if Bengals-Dolphins is a little bit more back-and-forth, and if A.J. Green sees a lot of Xavier and Howard... Tyler Boyd gets the better matchup on the other side, and I think it's Miami's other corners that really leave them vulnerable to getting beat through the air. So Tyler Boyd could be a a good value yet again this week. Tight end values, FanDuel. Uh, Top values, Jimmy Graham,
1: Vance McDonald, Jordan Reed again. Um, Vance McDonald I like. I mean, I like everybody in that game. I guess we all do. Uh, DraftKings, now we're going to get a little interesting with these because of the pricing structure. Let's go to
2: quarterbacks are you looking at it or not I do have it open okay I mean I run my own thing it's very similar comes up with basically the same results so Derek Carr by far by a lot by a lot at 5200 the biggest value according to the DraftKings value report and I, I think the way quarterbacks are priced on DraftKings distributes ownership rates around where you're not worried about quarterbacks getting too chalky even even at a low price like that yep
1: All right, running and the next quarterbacks are Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan. Running back, your man Aaron Jones, top of the list at forty three hundred on DraftKings. That's Mm -hmm. interesting. Um, T.J. Yeldon's up there too. His price is up at least fifty six hundred. And then Christian McCaffrey, Uh, Buck Allen is here. Um, Austin Eckler is here because their salaries are low. Up and wide receiver, here we go again. Marquez Valdez Scantling. Top of the heap on the value meter for DraftKings at wide receiver.
2: List is somewhere in Europe right now. <laughs> offline. And I can't even contact and tell him that he's just wrong about Marquez Valdez-Scantling. But he is going to be a little more interesting playing on the outside as opposed to playing in the slot. Like Equinemius St. Brown should be in the slot. That actually gives him better matchups, though. So if you said, which one of those guys are you playing? Like you're playing infinity lineups because you have the biggest bankroll on the planet, which yep. I have almost the opposite. Uh, Equinemius St. Brown would be the Packers rookie receiver. I'd be most interested in playing, but I'm probably not playing enough lineups to do it.
1: All right. Um, after that, Sanu, Devonte Parker, who was listed as questionable. Didn't play last week. I don't think, um, Mike Williams is up there too. And we're going to go to tight end. I think we've got a repeat guy. Now Austin Hooper, top of the list here. Um, Nick Vinette is up there. Rhett Ellison. Come on, guys.
2: Come on. <laughs> Stop. Again, Stop I referenced the Denny's gumball machine. <laughs>
1: right. It's a value. Oh, right, he's not good. I forgot. That's what he's about.
2: <laughs> I don't know why I said I keep saying Denny's either. They they're not paying me to say that. I don't eat there. I don't I don't believe in their brand. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's It's Really odd, but that's
1: that's those those, that store brand toilet paper is a great value, all right, because it sucks. That's why it's a good value, yeah. The
2: the the, with the Wegmans toilet paper,
1: (laughs) we don't have Wegmans here.
2: I don't have that here either. I was trying to guess what you had in Charlotte. What do you have? Food Lion, Publix, Uh, Harris. We have some Publix, Harris Teeter's the regional.
1: But yeah, man.
2: yeah, you're you're in the ACC country, so I figured Publix was a safe bet. Publix is
1: is not bad. They started to make inroads, and there's grocery wars, so it's kind of fun. You got to see the supermarket, by the way. And, and folks, yeah, we're 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 done with the value report. I'm going to run one thing in a minute. But the new Harris Teeter grocery store that opened near my house, it is full bar with 12 beers on tap. What tables, TV? It's it's insane. It's like I went – the first day I went there because, I mean, my wife works in an office. I work from home. So parts of the day, I'm like, all right, I got to – I go grocery shopping. And I went in there. I texted one of my buddies. I said, I think I want to hang out at Theater.
2: <laughs> That's an interesting approach to uh, to the grocery game. I mean you, you think about like they have everything they need to make anything they want. Like hy does that in the Midwest. Like they have a, a fully functioning restaurant yeah. in inside the store plus – all of the various bars, right? They have like the the pizza bar and the I, I don't know the Asian cuisine bar. I think I'd call it because there's some little sushi areas and then there's the American Chinese food, you know, requisite fried items, uh, soggy veggies with sauces. But it it looks decent. It looks edible. It, it looks better than the old grocery store foods that were pre-made. So I I think they're onto something.
1: Yeah. This this is quite. I'm going to take a picture for you next time I go to this store to show you what the bar looks like.
2: All right, I'm, I'm, in, I'm bar. in.
1: There's I, big there's big bar tables. There's probably ten bar tables. Is there a claw machine? There's no
2: claw machine. It's a good. Point. That's what you, you should fill out a comment card next time you're in there drinking <laughs> one of the beers. Say, this place would be great if it had a claw machine. Yeah, I would be all over that.
1: All right. So now what I'm going to do is we're going to go to the optimizer. Okay. All right. I'm going to go to an optimizer and we are going to put in, we're going to do fantasy draft. We are going to go with their Deshaun Watson as a lock. There we go. He's locked now. And which one, which of Kamara Julio and Jordan Reed do you want in with him?
2: mm Let's say Reed, actually, cause we're playing a big slate as Sunday night and Monday night it is. We might as well use Reed, too. Okay. Generate optimal lineup. The Rotowire
1: DFS Optimizer, which is loading, says Watson, Kamara, McCaffrey, Yeldon, Julio, Sanu. Julio and Sanu. Jordan Reed at tight end. Tennessee Titans defense. And at the final wide receiver slot, Marquez valdez
2: Scantling. Hmm. He's okay. everywhere. So- he, he he won't go away. So here's what I would do. I would I would x out uh, Sanu and Valdez Scantling. Uh, I don't want to stack two receivers. I'm not using the quarterback. So yep. that's what takes Sanu out. And I just think the, the Valdez Scantling projection is some kind of like list wine bottle story. <laughs> like exp- there's no there's no other explanation. Like he he just some Portuguese sausage and wine festival happened, and then he watched that that game where Veldez Scantling ran the wrong route twice and convinced himself that that was going to be a good idea. So I ran it again with those two guys excluded. Me too. It bounced back Austin Hooper yep. and Amari Cooper, so that's a little better. Hooper's 5,500 on fantasy draft. Like That is amazingly cheap, and clearly there's a, a flex sort of thing going on here because uh, it's throwing two tight ends. There's got to be one, one other player that cheap that I like better. It's definitely not Red Ellison. It's definitely not CJ Uzoma. Ian Thomas, if you want to go two tight. Yes! ends, You just have exposure to something different. That, that's, that's, the, that's the helping lineup if you want to know what that one looks like this week. Uh, Ricky Seals-Jones. No, nope, that put me over the cap. There's got to be a pivot. I, t- I
1: took out Hooper, and it ran me back. Jimmy Graham, then Devontae Parker, and Kareem Hunt instead of whoever the third running back
2: was. So... All right, so here, here's my takeaway on optimizers, if you haven't heard it before. Yeah. Tinker with it. Do not ever run the optimizer one time and say, that's my lineup. Like, just did, don't do that.
1: I did that two weeks ago, and and the optimizer gave With what I wanted, it it filled my lineup in with Tyler Boyd and, and Calvin Ridley, and I tinkered. And look where that got me. Nowhere. Well, That, okay, that lost but, me 350
2: yards and three touchdowns. But you locked in a few guys you liked before you ran it, right? Because... I think some people run it just to see what it says from scratch, and then they start building a lineup off that. I think you want to lock in any pieces you like, then run it, and then tinker a little bit from there. But you can if you have three or four people you lock in. I think you can play a lineup that it spits out after you run it if you've got multiple pieces that you've chosen yourself.
1: All right. All right, folks, we're going to wrap it right there. Um, Check out the DFS Optimizer. And uh, check for FanDuel or DraftKings or Fantasy Draft, who's sponsored today's podcast. We really appreciate that. Um, so if basically, you're just your weekend is about the Brewers. Otherwise, you don't care about a lot, right?
2: Yeah, and I guess I'm making food for the next month this weekend too because it's going to rain. So I got that to look forward to making food for the next month. That that's oh, so. the, that's the text I received from uh, Mrs. VR earlier today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, somebody at the place she went for lunch may have not been wearing a hairnet, and that wow. person's that person's health code violation has led me to a weekend of of chopping, freezing, soaking, you know, preparing food uh, for the very, very long future. Well, she's not, and a, probably buying a chest freezer. She's not a germaphobe, though. No, we're, we're, I mean we're equally we're equally annoyed by dirty things. Yeah. I think everyone, I don't know, man. Like, if if you go somewhere and you order food and there's a hair on it, like, you're sending it back, right? Yes. Yeah, I think that's a pretty normal sort of reaction. She took her food to go and got back to her work, and she's like, oh, crap. Like, I do not want to eat this. Yeah. I do not have time to go anywhere else. And in her, her rage, which, I, <laughs> I mean, I don't think she was angry. I think she was disappointed. She's like, yeah, we're, I'm done eating out. We're, we're going to prep meals for the next month and buy a chest freezer this weekend. And I was God like, God damn. growing up is terrible. <laughs> this is horrible.
1: I want to see, see photos of everything. I want to see the loaded up freezer.
2: Of yeah, everything no, you're I, I will. And Everyone listening is like, you guys lead two really boring lives. Like John's going to tweet out a picture of a grocery store. Yes. DVR is going to have a, a new chest freezer in his apartment. And a bunch of chopped up peppers and meats and stuff all over the counter. And um, yeah, I mean, at least the Brewers don't play on Saturday. Right. And, and the good news is, it is the steak dinner for uh, the RotoWire Baseball Steak League on Saturday night. We're going to a local Brazilian steakhouse nice. where where meat sweats are pretty much guaranteed, and uh, everything's usually delicious. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. Have fun with that one. That sounds great. Yeah, what do, what do you got going on? You got to be doing something yeah. more interesting yeah. than prepping meals for a month.
1: Watching the Yankees tonight, coaching baseball practice tomorrow, going out to dinner. Nothing. It's not exciting.
2: Oh, man. You know, if I could go back in time like eight years and, and have a kid and then have to go to like coach tomorrow instead of prep all those meals, I yeah. think I would I'd make that trade.
1: I think I'm going to watch the – I think I told you what we did at the house earlier this summer. I'm, I think I'm going to watch Giants-Panthers from, from my pool on Sunday.
2: That's exactly what you should do. You should do that anytime it's possible to do that. Anything.
1: It's it's still eighty degrees here. Yeah. It's you know it's gonna be nice out. We just put the TV outside. We're all I'm all I'm loaded up. It's a pretty I got a pretty good setup back there. I got to admit,
2: it's uh, you you have to use that because my my biggest life driven opposition to football, which it's my job and I I like football. I I like watching it. I, I really do. I just don't like missing out on. The small handful of really nice sundays we get here at the beginning of the season yep like i feel like i'm really throwing something away when i just bunker down from an hour before kickoff until the end of the sunday night game just watching football outside while it's 65 and perfect so if you can watch football and be outside you have found a happy medium yes i, I will i will send you a photo of that too after
1: i'll send you the grocery store photo and and the pool tv viewing photo for this weekend. That's that's those those
2: things are on my to-do list. All right. Well, I'm I'm off to go rent a pickup truck from probably a hardware store to throw a chest freezer from Costco into. So Nice. That's that's my to-do list.
1: All right. Well, thanks, Derek. Good luck to your Brewers and to my Yankees. Folks, listeners to the podcast, get a free 10-day RotoWire trial at RotoWire.com slash pod. No credit card needed to do that. So you can check out nearly all the features on the site, including that DFS optimizer. Take a look now at RotoWire.com slash pod. Uh, please get, leave us a rating or review wherever you're listening. We appreciate it. And thank you so much for listening to this edition of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fantasy Draft. We'll be back on Monday. It'll be Tim and me reviewing the weekend. So please come on back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. Good luck in week five.